Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. wherever you are. <laughs> Welcome to their episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the her in forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the only thing I heard that we're putting into forgiveness is the word fur. Fur. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just thought, like, fur is one of those things we don't... Mm. I could say we don't really need, I don't want a lot of fur in my stuff. Nope. Mm-mm. Fur. Not super into it. I just imagined like sort of a coating of it. <laughs> fur. Gross. Unless it's attached to something, I guess. But just fur. Fur. We'll we've all had, fur. well, I was about to say we've all had a cat. <laughs> but then I was like, well, we <laughs> may have not all had a cat. We may not. <laughs> Uh, I have cameras all over my house, and so, <laughs> like, the outside. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Just so you all know, if there's anyone weird listening, <laughs> I do have cameras all over the outside of my house. <laughs> I do. That is who I am. You guys, what you guys learned last week was that... Um, I'm always looking out for ways in which someone might be killing me. Uh-huh. And what you're learning this week yeah. is that one of those ways <laughs> is that I have cameras. <laughs> <Yep>. mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I wanted True. to say was that because I have cameras all over my house, uh, the outside of my house, um, I know that there's these two cats, these two neighborhood cats. Okay. And at 1030 every night, they head out to the side of my house and then they play over there off camera until about three o'clock in the morning and they come back <laughs> and like every night I get these notifications. They have a routine. They're like BFFs and they go play and it's great. Anyway, They're like us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We play at certain times of the yeah. week. It's mm-hmm. scheduled. Like yeah. <laughs> this is part of it. You guys heard it here. Cats. Cats. They're just like people. They're just like us. My name is Summer Yeager. <laughs> I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And Joy, I watched a really cute movie. Oh, did you? I can't hear my... Uh-oh. Okay, I can't hear myself. I can... Now I feel like I can barely hear myself. Is everything okay before we keep going? I can hear... Oh, there I'm back. Okay. okay. You're back. You were gone for a second. Okay. Anyway, there's this really cute movie. I wasn't expecting it. And I feel kind of weird because the last time I watched a really cute movie some people were like Summer that was a scary movie this is not a scary <laughs> movie this is not a scary movie but it the last time I saw that it was the Amazon original in the vast of night right this is also an Amazon original uh, which like is some, there something wrong with me do I only like no. am, anyway um, it's called the map of tiny perfect things and it I was even seen the thumbnail. For okay, it. well, you need to watch it. Okay, you need to watch it. All right. There's no dirty moments. 
Oh, that's awesome. It's so great. Because that's pretty much why I don't watch movies anymore. Right. Is because I see a movie and nope. I'm like, oh, I want to watch that. And then you click the thing. Nope. And the little window pops up in the corner and is like rated R. Nope. For nudity and more nudity and more nudity Not, and also nope. nude sexual situations. None of that in this film. I awesome. was extremely excited and it's an adorable film and you should make an hour and a half to watch it. Okay. And that's all I had to tell you. <laughs> okay. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, well, you're right. I am Joy, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. And the thing you guys need to know about Summer mm. that I realized today mm. is that she hates the phrase, oh. create a rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys... <laughs> If any more people in the evangelical blogosphere talk about making rhythms, I am going to scream. I'm going to scream. I think it's okay to just outlaw <sighs> certain things. I had an English teacher in high school that was like, if you use the words plethora or myriad, you will be getting a point <laughs> taken off. Yes. And he just declared yep. that. He was like, mm -hmm. you will not be using those words in my class. Those are the only yeah. two. Use all the other words. Uh-huh. I, not plethora or myriad. I have outlawed also from my fifth graders writing. You may not start any sentences with also because <laughs> if four out of the five sentences in your paragraph right. start with also, we have gone off the yeah. rails. Yes. If we cannot use a, a, a measured hand no. with, the, with certain phrases, we eschew them altogether it is banished right and just as the i mean myriad and plethora not a problem with, with those words no but think about how many times no. that man saw those words oh he saw them way too many times probably in one essay it's he funny because i had times. an english professor who made us start all of our persuasive es essays with onomatopoeia oh she had the formula for how we could get like the highest score from the state of Arizona on our writing aims standardized testing. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you will start, I mean, t every sentence she, it was a formula and we all followed it and we all got the highest score we could get on the standardized hmm. testing in the persuasive writing section. And she knew what she was doing. I mean, to her credit, did she really teach any of us how to write? Or no. Did she teach you how to pass the test. She taught us how to pass the test. But what I will say is that, that was fun. And you, I'm sure you learned some things. Onomatopoeia. Yeah. You learned what the state wanted you to learn. I did. And now the I was AIMS a good testing girl. is... It, I obeyed It's Romans called 13. the obey test. <laughs> and O-B-E-Y stands for something. So but. we don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... Um, it's nice. This is this is um after all that shop talk. I know. This is nice. I just got out of a meeting. Yeah, a long meeting. What I want to tell you guys is follow us on Gab and also we are working on a website, man. We are. We are working on it. We are excited for it. We're trying to give you guys what you keep telling us you want. So, you know, Help us out. You can go to patreon.com slash geologians. You can buy a t-shirt. That's at shopsheologians.com. Mm -hmm. You can join book club. It's super fun. I'm having a great time. Now Joy can tell you it's fun. Yeah. It's not just me that can the say it. The book is great. The book is. I'm the really. The conversation's better even. Yep. 
I'm really enjoying the book. I'm really enjoying the conversation. I don't know what to do next. I want to read her other book, and I'm trying really hard not to suggest that (laughs) as our next book club (laughs) pick because she has another book called Seeing Green, and it's on the topic of envy, which I also feel like what a worthwhile topic, you know? But anyway... We'll talk it's about envy's this. Envy's at the root of so many of the things so we, many. we do. So many of our complaints, envy is at the root. Yes. I mean, we could just, let's just, we're done with the show for today <laughs> after that <laughs> sentence. But anyway, you can also leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. And yeah, I think that's all the shop talk that I have because I'm all out of shop talk today. Yeah. We're... Uh, we're yeah, yeah. I'm talked out. Yep, I'm all talked out of that. But I am not talked out of this. You are not. <laughs> I am not talked out this of this. This has been your thing for a little while. I feel so strongly about this. And the reason I feel strongly about it is because this is an area where moralistic therapeutic deism is more common in this area of the Christian life than the Bible. And we don't realize it. And we don't realize it. I'm very convicted that this is true, and it makes me very sad. Right. So it it genuinely weighs on me Mm -hmm. that people, that we have allowed false teaching on the area of forgiveness to be the depth of our teaching. Yeah. And it really, um, it messes with your relationships and your life and I hate it and I despise it. And that's, that's why we're talking about forgiveness again. So Mm -hmm. we did an episode last year. We've done, and we did an episode like earlier on too. We've done multiple. Did we? Mm -hmm. I don't remember that. Yeah. I believe you. Mm -hmm. I don't remember it. Yeah. We did it when we were still back in that room. Oh really? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, man, so I think, so our last episode was, do I have to forgive a jerk? Right. And the reason that's an episode and not a simple answer is because the teaching on the bio, the teaching in scripture is so robust in this area. And so I mentioned, I brought some of this up a couple of weeks ago online and um, there was so much of the moralistic therapeutic the the ther- there's a there's a biblical approach to forgiveness and there's a therapeutic approach and what most of us have uncritically accepted is the therapeutic approach which is that forgiveness is more for you you the one giving the forgiveness right. than for the offender it's a part of forgiveness is like a step to becoming free from bitterness and resentment yeah and that's not what the bible teaches or healing from <laughs> right well and it's interesting cuz you brought it up to me and the more and more I thought about it, the more I was like, huh, yeah, this is wrong. <laughs> and uh, it's so not even that long ago, I yeah, I realized that the same thing was just sort of built Me too. into my thinking. Yeah. Um, and it's not, uh, anyway. It's because it's for me, so it's not, I grew up in the church. I wasn't taught that forgiveness is for you to feel better. I wasn't taught that. Right. But I was taught that subtly and eventually explicitly. And then I uncritically accepted it as a young adult before right. I was like, wait. Then my like spidey senses went off and I was like, I can't find this in scripture. And also the, the reason that this is so important is that we are told in scripture to forgive as God forgives us. So 
that mat you how did god forgive you that's the foundation of the whole conversation so what is it exactly that we're trying to say about i'm this is going to be kind of an interesting mm-hmm. episode because mm-hmm. i really just have some questions mm-hmm. mainly yeah for summer okay that i hope we can kind of guide our listeners through mm-hmm. yeah what we're talking about so ultimately what are we talking how are we defining Mm-hmm. forgiveness in this episode and what about it mm-hmm. is making people upset <laughs> mm-hmm. I can tell you so forgiveness is a commitment by the offended by the offended to pardon graciously the repentant for moral liability and to be reconciled to that person although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated That, I believe, is a biblical definition of forgiveness. Now, the reason I say that, and just so you guys know, like pretty much everything I'm saying, Chris Bronze, and I mentioned this to you guys last year, he wrote the definitive book from, it's from Crossway on biblical forgiveness for people for now. He's alive. (laughs) Um, And his book is called Unpacking Forgiveness. And pretty much if you hear me say anything smart in this episode, I got it from him. So just so you guys know. Chris Bronze, thank you <laughs> very, very much. I, and this definition of forgiveness that I'm using came from his book, um, and it is all backed up by scripture. And so, one of so, the yeah, what's the issue that people have with mm-hmm. the definition that you? What's the one thing they mm-hmm. seem to focus in? Yeah. on in that definition. Um, so the the thing, the big distinction that that we need to make is that there is a there is a therapeutic definition of forgiveness and there is a biblical one. Right. And so what I'm going to argue for is that you must hold to the biblical definition of forgiveness and not the therapeutic one because I believe it actually rejects the gospel. Right. So. Well, and that requires asking for forgiveness. What does? Or like. Oh, or yeah. Like. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Like repentance. It requires repentance. So, Okay. Found, just just let me lay the foundation really quickly why I believe this, which is that if we are to understand how to forgive one another, then we have to begin with the foundational idea that God expects Christians to forgive one another in the same way that he forgave them. Forgave them. Right. That's what we pray in the Lord's mm-hmm. Prayer. Um, the Bible clearly teaches that God's forgiveness is a commitment by God to pardon those who repent and believe so that they're reconciled to him. There is no one in hell right now that is forgiven by God because they have not been reconciled to him. So there is a a very important aspect of understanding the gospel when we correctly understand how we've been forgiven by God. And the most important forgiveness question to ask yourself is, have I been forgiven? Have I been forgiven by God? And God's forgiveness is conditional. We all know this because none of us are going around saying God forgave everyone in hell. No, he didn't. Unfortunately, I think some people are saying that, but none of us here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. God's forgiveness is conditional. Only those who repent and believe are saved. This is this there. Forgiveness is a transaction. It is a commitment. Right. It is not a therapeutic dealing that we do to make ourselves feel better. Forgiveness is a focus on the other person and not on yourself. So that's the first, that's a foundation that all of this needs to be laid on. 
one thing we need to wrap our heads around that a lot of, I think, devil's advocate questions will be eliminated here is that it is true that God forgives graciously. Mm-hmm. Okay. His forgiveness is motivated by love, is motivated by love. And it didn't come without a cost to him. It was purchased by the blood of God. So it, it's this forgiveness is freely given, motivated by love, and it cost him to do so. It cost him his son. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is forgiven. We know this from scripture. I know I keep saying it, but I just need you guys to wrap your head around the fact that God has not forgiven everyone who has sinned against him of their sins. And you are not called to be more forgiving than God. You can't be. But God forgives us when we don't deserve it. That's true. You can't earn your forgiveness. And it costs the person giving it something. Like it cost him his son. It comes at a high price. This right. is this is this is a fact. And the next thing you need to know about God's forgiveness is that it is a commitment. Okay? It means to be, like, if you read scripture, if you want to do your whole Greek word stuff, which I'm not telling you, you have to, just, you can read it in English. But when God forgives, he does promise not to hold that sin against the person any longer. So since I've been forgiven in Christ, those sins have been paid for by Christ. They're not going to be paid for again. They've been forgiven. They've been pardoned. Now, when you, when we were pardoned of this sin, it wasn't just like, Okay, you're pardoned. No, now you're reconciled. This process right. of reconciliation starts. This thing, something actually happens. That's, you know, what we talked about last week was like, Jesus dying 2,000 years ago on a cross actually impacts my life today in the same way that God's forgiveness actually impacts my life today. In the same way that real forgiveness and repentance and all of these things, they actually do something. Yeah. This isn't just something out there in the ether, some feelings that we have. When Jesus, when you got your new heart, things changed. And when forgiveness happens, when a debt is paid, when someone makes a commitment to you, now you are going to reconcile in a way that you couldn't before. Now that doesn't mean consequences are erased, right? So when you became a believer, it's not like you, you're like, here, you're no longer in debt and all the stupid things you did never happened. There, there are still consequences. Well, because that required any, even an erasing The decision Mm -hmm. to erase debt still Mm -hmm. requires repentance. Right. And work. And reconciliation is work. Yeah. Just FYI. Um, It's not just the elimination of guilt. So when God forgives us, not only are we, we get righteousness, we're declared righteous. We also begin a new relationship. Our relationship with God is not the same after we have a new heart as it was before. You're under a commitment that he no longer remembers the sin against you. Yes. Um, This guy, this is just a great quote that I'm going to read. It's from this guy named L. Gregory Jones. He said, people are mistaken if they think of Christian forgiveness primarily as absolution from guilt. The purpose of forgiveness is the restoration of communion and the reconciliation of brokenness. God's forgiveness is inextricably linked to reconciliation. You cannot think of one person who's been forgiven by God who is not also reconciled to him. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two sides of the same coin. They come together. No one is forgiven by God without being reconciled to God. And the Paul, the all over the epistles, Paul is talking about the gospel as the forgiveness of sins 
Um, and if you want to look that up, Colossians one fourteen, Ephesians one seven are great examples. Well, so I think that's where people get confused because aren't we commanded to forgive? And like I said a second ago, mm-hmm. God forgives us when we yes. don't deserve it. So yeah. if someone doesn't deserve my forgiveness, I should just give it to them anyway. No, we forgive like God when we forgive like God, which means he forgives the repentant. Right. If there is no repentance and faith, there is no forgiveness. Right. And this isn't, this isn't works righteousness. Right. We agree with the confessions that a a regenerated heart that is repentant is a gift from God. God had to do that too. Right. And so when we're talking about God's forgiveness, there's no exact one for one. So and that's the thing is I think, because I saw this, but God forgives us when we don't deserve it. He, we, it's his grace and it's salvation that we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. But it's not that... I can't give you salvation. <laughs> right. And yes, it's true that we don't deserve... Well, I should say it's true that you deserve... Mm-hmm. Once you're a Christian, mm-hmm. you deserve forgiveness mm-hmm. if you're repentant. Yeah. And that's the that's because of the work the, that Christ did, right? And that's even the interpersonal, mm-hmm. uh, like it, it, the people that you're in your church body with. Um, mm-hmm. It is a given in Scripture mm-hmm. that uh, we talked about this a little bit at book club. That uh, forgiveness is a transaction that mm-hmm. is referred to in the original text as back and forth, going back and forth. So it's generally accepted that if you're in a body, there will be. Asking of forgiveness and forgiveness, repentance, and yep. and the 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 i the point is that you be reconciled mm-hmm. to your brothers and sisters in Christ, yep. um, and that you be fulfilling mm-hmm. this transaction, yep, over and over as many times as yep it needs to be yes fulfilled. Yeah, so it would be a although we are called to forgive as God forgives, it would be a mistake to believe that I can forgive anyone the way that God forgives us. Okay. So this isn't a direct one for one, right? but it, we, since we are called to forgive as God forgives, then we must do the work to understand what that means. So God's forgiveness is a commitment by God to pardon graciously those who repent and believe so that they are reconciled to him. And our forgiveness to each other is a little bit different. I would define it the way Chris Bronze defines it, which is that it's a commitment by the offended party to, to graciously forgive the repentant, remove moral liability and to be reconciled to that person. Although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated. Right. So of course the next question is exactly what you said. Well, what does that mean? You know, do I have to, it's important that we answer the questions of like, well, how do I know someone's really repentant or whatever? And I would say it's as simple as, well, they said they were right. This is not a call to go around with a magnifying glass examining how repentant you think people are. And this is one of those times where obviously forgiveness and reconciliation between us and God is going to be different than us and another man, because God can see our hearts. Right. Um, Now you can be, it's okay to be discerning and call, uh, keep one another accountable. So if someone says to you, if someone doesn't really apologize, repent to you and they say, I'm sorry, I made you feel that way mm-hmm. or I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. What th- there needs to be legitimate repentance for the wrongdoing that mm-hmm. was done. Yep. Um, if they 
if they annoyed you, mm-hmm. that's not something mm-hmm. that requires repentance, repentance. necessarily. <laughs> right. So it's possible that if the person's not giving you a proper, mm-hmm. if the person is not repenting properly, it's because they either don't mm-hmm. need to or they can be called on it. They can yep. say, like, no, you said that mean thing to me. You mm-hmm. meant it when you said it. It needs to be dealt with. Yeah. You can't yeah. say, I thought I just got my anger got the best of me. And mm-hmm. and so I'm so sorry that, that that's who I was in that moment. No. Or Douglas Wilson even uses the example of how like a politician will come in front of a screen and solemnly give his um, uh-huh. his statement about the thing that he was caught doing. And he'll just say those things. I'm sorry. Those things do not represent my who values I am. or who I am. Yeah. So that's not real repentance. No. That's apologizing. That's an excuse. Yes. <laughs> so you're it's a you're allowed to ask mm-hmm. for a legitimate mm-hmm. apology. Yeah. Well, things. there's all kinds of nuance here. And but I, you're not allowed to like Right. You're not allowed to be like, well, I only accept blood payments <laughs> right. for when you no. do something wrong to me. Blood no. atonement. That's it for me. Confession and repentance as prescribed by the authors of the New Testament is all that is required of us right. in community with each other. <laughs> um, and, you know, Ephesians 4 calls us to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So, again, here's another call. We forgive as God in Christ forgave us. And we must remember that our forgiveness, the gracious offer that God gives for forgiveness is unconditional. It's like, it's here. Like God calls all men to repent and believe, by the way. And so your forgiveness should be unconditional in that way. We should always have a, what Chris Bronze calls a disposition of grace towards those who have offended us. And this, that is what Jesus modeled on the cross when he said for God, father forgive them for they know not what they do that's in Luke 23:34 so even while he was on the cross excruciating pain death on his doorstep before there was any repentance on the part of those who had crucified him he did offer grace he asked god to forgive them now a lot of people will say, well, we'll bring this up as, as a response. Well, like, well, then why did Jesus do this? We should, because now, do you think that Jesus saying, father, forgive them for they know not what they do meant that snap, they were all forgiven. Right. All the people chanting. He was, out, he was able, Jesus in that moment was able to give salvation in a way that is outside of how salvation is given because he's God. So he just was able to supernaturally yeah. break the rules. Well, no, do you, are you, do you guys, are you trying to tell me that the people chanting crucify him, crucify him are, were all forgiven because Jesus prayed that prayer. Like, is that the gamble that, right. you, that you guys want to make? If you use that text as well, Jesus prayed. Well, of course we should have a disposition of grace of desiring repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation for all people we pray by all means pray how jesus prayed Mm -hmm. but forgive how jesus forgave right which there's certainly a difference between allowing love to cover an offense oh yes um we talked about this quite a bit in the last right and then Mm -hmm. again something that douglas wilson talks about is he puts it this way which is like preparing your heart 
towards forgiveness. Yeah. Meaning that by the time work. the offender comes to you mm-hmm. and says, I'm sorry. Yep. Um, that means that it's ready and it's, Your heart and be then ready. in that moment, that transaction yes. can take place. Well, and this is, this was my, that was exactly where I was headed, which was that Jesus said, and this is in Luke 17, Jesus said that Christians should forgive if the other party repents. Right. And this is explicit. He said, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So biblically, to repent means to change behavior, right? As a result of a complete change of thinking and attitude. Sometimes we limit repentance to an emotion. And of course, emotions should be included in this. But at its, at its core, repent means to turn around in actions and attitude. And Christians must always forgive the repentant. So if someone has turned around in their actions and attitude, you have to be ready to forgive. And so a lot of people will say, well, what do I do? Someone's offended me. I just sit around and wait for them to repent before I forgive them. Yes, that's what Jesus said. And no, you're not sitting around and waiting. You're doing what Joy just said, Mm -hmm. which is the work. Because if you're offended and you're hurt, it's going to take work. It might. I mean, maybe you're more uh, sanctified than me. Well, and depending on what your the offense was right yeah. because offenses can go all the way up to murder, which right. is really not an offense. There's probably a better word for offense, <laughs> but you need to be doing the work of being ready to forgive as right. soon as that person comes to you right, and is repentant and is asking for it. So a so lot of what people, if they never come to me, then you don't have to forgive them. And we're not reconciled. No. But aren't we supposed to, aren't we called to be reconciled and forgive As far people? as it is up to you. But it's not always up to you. There's no transaction. So. But doesn't God want me to be whole and healed? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, in Jesus you are. So that's the difference between the therapeutic model and the biblical model. The assumption today seems to be that you can forgive someone and not be reconciled to them. Which is, which would be like, it would be like leaving a gift at someone's doorstep, ringing the bell and driving away and never returning and not acknowledging that you gave them this gift. But remember, we're supposed to forgive the way God forgave us. So there has to be that peace, that transaction, that reconciliation that's happened. There's no forgiveness where there's no reconciliation. There's just none. And so a lot of, uh, basically, the therapeutic model came to us and and it it is a private it is a private just you internal strategy for dealing with bitterness and hurt right so it's a it's a the guy who first proposed this his name is smeeds which seems like the perfect name for a guy to propose this smeeds essentially said that forgive forgiveness becomes a means of being healed of your hate. And he also argues that people have a right to be healed. Smeeds, he, he privatized forgiveness, took away the transaction, the reconciliation by primarily making it an activity that goes on within your head. It's not something that you do with someone else. Whereas if you look at all 
forgiveness that happens in scripture. Mm-hmm. It's something that happens between two parties, right. the guilty and the offended. Yeah. Um, and so this, it is a, it is a, therapeutic forgiveness you know basically says bitter bitterness and anger are damaging to a person therefore we should forgive all of the wrongs done to us and that's how you tool it's an empowerment tool and that's how you cease to feel anger and resentment and it sounds good right because it's not healthy to be bitter it's not healthy to be angry that's not how we're called to be and certainly we want to be reconciled Right. People. Right. We we desire that. But the problem with this therapeutic view is that it redefines forgiveness. And according to that Smead guy, forgiveness becomes an emotion rather than a transaction or a commitment between two parties. And specifically, it makes forgiveness become just an antidote for bitterness, not actually something that we do. And so it distorts your understanding of what true forgiveness is. It's going to distort what you think God did with you. It's going to privatize it and make it emotional. It's going to take away what actually happened there. And if we say that we have to forgive everyone unconditionally, then we cheapen what happens when forgiveness actually takes place. Well, and that's why it's so important to make that distinction when you hear mm-hmm. things like, but God forgives us when we don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. If we repent, we deserve it. Right. You've done now, what is necessary. Right. You've, And that's what I mean by deserve. I mean, you know, because obviously, like you said, mm-hmm. we don't repent of our own volition. Right. God, it's a gift from God. Right. And- but the point is, is that we don't, he's not giving unforg- undeserved forgiveness. That's right. not something that Christ God gives paid out. for it right. already. Yes. In Christ, because of what he did. I get to lay claim right. to reconciliation with you God. You deserve it through the sun. Right. Right. And that was a gift. Right. Yes. <laughs> so that's how, that's another dimension in which this isn't, you know, this transaction between us and God is not always in so many specific ways, a one for one, but it is the groundwork that we should look at. And ultimately this therapeutic idea of forgiveness attempts to redefine how people understand God's forgiveness. That is why this is so important. And that that's why it can't go unchallenged because if a person can be forgiven and still go to hell, then forgiveness doesn't mean what the Bible says that it means. That is why it is so important. One other thing is that the, the therapeutic forgiveness is totally focused on the self. It is completely for you. And forgiveness in the Bible is not for you. Like, yes, reconciliation is good and healing is good and not being bitter is good. But forgiveness... I just punched my microphone. (laughs) Forgiveness is something that you do for someone else. Right. And it's crazy how selfish and self-serving this idea is. Right. If you've been offended, Mm -hmm. you are actually having to work to keep a commitment. Mm -hmm. As long as the person has repented, you have to work to keep a commitment to not count that against them. Yes. Forever. Yes. So, Which, depending on the offense, could be is really going difficult. to be super hard. Yeah. So I'm actually going to play this little clip because Lisa Turkhurst wrote a book called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And it is the unbiblical therapeutic version of forgiveness. And just 
now that I've talked about what this is and where it comes from and how self-centered it is, just take a listen to this little clip here. And then giving it to people who've deeply hurt me, well, that became incredibly problematic. But what if forgiveness isn't supposed to be another hard thing we have to do? What if it's that forgiveness is that necessary step that we need to take to finally experience the peace we desperately want but can't get any other way? So do you see how it's all for you? Therapeutically, forgiving your assailant, your offender, your attacker. Mm Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is mm-hmm. the final check mm-hmm. for you to call yourself healed. Yep. In the therapeutic world, that's mm-hmm. where we're at. That is the moment where you can say, all right, bye, doc. Don't need any more mm-hmm. appointments mm-hmm. because I forgave this person mm-hmm. that terrorized me and my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not actually that's not actually how it works. Forgive mm-hmm. the, the transaction of forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness mm-hmm. is indeed mm-hmm. air, air quotes here, mm-hmm. therapeutic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is absolutely freeing, right. which is why we are supposed to seek that transaction. Mm-hmm. But the world has taken that and mm-hmm. no surprise mm-hmm. has attempt has taken this this transaction mm-hmm. uh, and taken it in the way that God has described it and has said, well, there is no God. So what does this transaction look like now? It's just it's about not you. a transaction. It's just about you. It is the final check mark yep. that you have on your, your healing, mm-hmm. healing page. And mm-hmm. now you may graduate to a healed and free mm-hmm. person. Yes. This idea. So she said, it's hard. She said, well, what if it doesn't have to be hard? No, ma'am. No, forgiveness, the Christian life, you're not called to just do whatever is easy and makes you feel better. And so this idea that... Especially if it involves being unreconciled. Right. Because it's really Mm going to be awful Mm -hmm. to have to deal with Mm -hmm. the fact that the person who hurt Mm -hmm. you or your family Mm -hmm. is not sorry. Right. Then what? You just have to feel good about them forever so that you feel good? That's not the answer. Feeling good the is not the answer. Right. And the <laughs> transaction hasn't actually taken place. Right. And you know what's really hard is like the rubber meets the road in this conversation when you have a child who comes to you and is really hurt by something someone else has done. Try looking that child in the eye and being like, you know what? You just need to feel better about this. Forgive them and then you'll feel better. Do what you need to do to feel better. But mommy, they're not sorry. Mm -hmm. But mommy, nothing's going to change. Oh, no, just just forgive them and then you'll just feel better. Well, and certainly the response to that child isn't, well, never forgive them. Never do any, (laughs) never, um, never let it go. Never do any work to soften your heart. Right. And be willing to take forgiveness. Never cover their actions with love. Yep. Um, and here the, the, that what's really damaging is that therapeutic forgiveness, it actually discourages healing because if forgiveness discourages repentance and repentance, and if forgiveness is viewed primarily as something that happens privately and individually, then reconciliation is undermined. It, It for therapeutic forgiveness essentially makes it too easy for people to distance themselves from people who have offended them rather than just going through the difficult work of reconciliation, which right. is a difficult work. 
And it, it also <laughs> makes individuals feel that they don't have to deal with their own sin because in a therapeutic model of forgiveness, feelings become the standard rather than truth. So if, if a person feels bitterness or resentment, then the legitimate response is to forgive. But that's not a legitimate response to, to feeling to why you should forgive someone. Well, I'm bitter, so I should forgive them. What if they haven't sinned against you? What if right. you're what if you're right. the offending party in that yep. situation because you are unjustly full of bitter resentment and it it fails, you know, Proverbs 16:2 says all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes but the Lord weighs the spirit. How many times have you been bitter or resentful against someone and it was actually your fault? It's going to happen and you know, working through forgiveness biblically It already has happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not as willing to give you guys the benefit of the doubt as summer is apparently. It also doesn't uh, doesn't the therapeutic model doesn't prepare you to face persecution um in a way that you might. And Chris Bronze tells this story about this and this is horrible. Um this bo- in the Bosnian war this this young Muslim mother was, you know, she was raped, her baby was murdered. I mean, it was awful. Right. And so she's telling the story about this and this is happening. I mean, all over the world, I've been reading about what's happening to the Uyghur Muslims in China. Like this is happening still, these kinds of horrible, it's not like, oh, let me tell you about what happened in 1995 or let me tell you about Hitler's Germany. Like Christians are facing persecution all over the world. And a therapeutic understanding of forgiveness would tell us that that Bosnian woman who was raped and saw her baby be killed should be, she should stop feeling anger and resentment against these men because otherwise she might become bitter and feel bad. Um, A therapeutic understanding of forgiveness would actually, would, it would encourage this woman to just forgive them automatically, not have any anger towards them whatsoever. Whereas what about righteous anger? Mm Mm-hmm. And so what do you well, like I I'm inclined to think of Joseph when he came into contact with his brothers and he said what you meant for evil God meant for good how much time passed from the moment they did what they did mm-hmm. to the moment that he came mm-hmm. into contact with them again mm-hmm. it wasn't this thing it wasn't like he had mm-hmm. he had forgiven them long ago like mm-hmm. he just <laughs> it, it's a it's a process. Yeah. It's a process. And we don't, Mm -hmm. do we see like a legitimate, we see legitimate repentance Mm -hmm. from the brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is not something that um, the therapeutic model would have you believe that he tapped into Joseph tapped into himself and found the strength to rise above the sin of his brothers Mm -hmm. and become more actualized, become Mm -hmm. a better human being because he was able to, Mm Um, just, you know, mm-hmm. rise above and be cognizant and aware of mm-hmm. his, of his desire to be anger and bitter. Mm-hmm. But he was like, no, no, I'm not bitter or angry. I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. And I need to work, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. <laughs> you know, it's like, would you, so this woman who went through this horrible thing, would you, would you just be like, well, you know what? It's so important. You know, you need to just forgive them right. for they know not what they do. Just turn um, the other just cheek. Just turn the no. That is that is misapplication of God's words. I would point. I her, know they don't deserve it, but 
God said God gives us plenty of things we don't deserve. I would point her to Revelation six. Uh, when the prayers of the saints were, they cried with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? That's from Revelation six. There are plenty of things to pray. And you know what? I I believe that her she absolutely could get to the point where she's praying uh, a prayer of forgiveness for these people. But it just is so crazy how this therapeutic view does not jive with how you see well, it demands the that psalmist. For her to be well, mm-hmm. she needs to feel a certain way right. about them. Yes, but that's not true. She needs to think God's thoughts. And she needs to, sometimes the psalmist prayed that the wicked would be dashed and that their teeth would be smashed. Right. And sometimes that is an appropriate prayer. And I don't think she'd be wrong for praying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to, we, we don't pray. It, it's perfectly legitimate to pray for your enemies. And a way to pray for your enemies is that to pray that they would fall. And, right. But that also, as Christians, again, to go back to a previous foundational idea here, which is that we need to be ready and willing to offer forgiveness unconditionally. Right. So there is there is nuance here, mm-hmm. and typically nuance is against my religion. However, in difficult interpersonal discussions like this, there's nuance. But that woman isn't going to be well because she has emotionally fake forgiven the people who did this to her reoriented her emotions towards the people that terrorized her right right what she needs to do is look to christ and wait for him because vengeance is his and trust in his promises and you know what if god chose to save those people then hallelujah praise god but that doesn't mean again as I've said a couple of times, there, there's going to be consequences. Okay. So sometimes forgiveness, forgiveness doesn't mean free from consequences. I think a legitimate consequence would be if those people became Christians and asked her for forgiveness and they repented to her, then she would be required to forgive them. She's not required to become their next door neighbor and be their best friends. Right. She's not, you're not required to do that. There's consequences to your actions. Not all relationships are going to be reconciled on this side of heaven to the point of best friend status. Right. And that's okay. But that me- the transaction is still required of us, no matter what wrong has been done. Um, and the willingness to forgive is required of us. That's why Jesus said, if he repents 70 times seven, but Jesus said twice in that passage, if he, he repents. repents, it was never, He's not sorry and he keeps doing it. Forgive him, forgive him. That right. is not what Jesus said. Well, and it's kind of interesting because now in our justice system, that's how you say, that's how the offender says, says they're sorry, right? They go to jail for a certain amount of time. And we like, yeah, we provide them with enrichment programs. Right. Or maybe that's part of the reason we're so lost on and this. And that's what I, I think that's a huge part of it is mm-hmm. there's no real justice because mm-hmm. I would say that reconciliation and justice mm-hmm. are related. Like yep. you said, not mm-hmm. always, mm-hmm. Uh, not always to the fullest extent that we would like to see, but yeah, yeah it absolutely has the way that we ask criminals to say sor- sorry mm-hmm. in our culture mm-hmm. um, is totally outside 
I mean, I mean, I know a lot of times in court you will have the opportunity to like apologize to mm-hmm. a victim or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, pray, I would say praise God where that is happening, but ultimately right. our culture says like, mm-hmm. this is where they pay their dues jail. Right. And then this is where you pay your dues therapy. Right. This is where this, this, the offender is going to become a full whole person yep. by going to jail and going through enrichment programs mm-hmm. and having a probation officer on the other side. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be fully mm-hmm. um, enriched and mm-hmm. you're going to be free right. of hatred for this person mm-hmm. by attending to your uh, mm-hmm. emotional needs and making sure that you don't hate this person anymore. Right. And that's how we see it. That's just what happens yep. in an instance mm-hmm. where someone's legally wronged. Yeah. Uh, that's just how we do it yeah. here. And it involves the two people who are intimately mm-hmm. related to one another, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who the offender and the offendee, right. they know each other. Yep. <laughs> but it treats them as though they're not. They don't know they have each nothing other. nothing to do with and, each other. And the way that they can make it right just is totally get, separate it, of the other person. It's an individual privatized self-focus. Right. And, you know, I think this is one of the reasons why confession and repentance is such a not often done thing in our circles because we think of forgiveness as a private feeling that you have, but it is not a private feeling that you have. It's not something you do with yourself. Uh, It's it's just, you can't support that biblically. Um, And so, you know, we have a rash of marriages that are full of all kinds of unconfessed sins and relationships full of unconfessed sins. And think about, you know, how often does church discipline happen? Well, how could it happen? No one's confessing and repenting. Number one, this should be something that we are willing to do immediately you know as soon as you sin against someone you confess you repent and so and not just because of how it makes you feel right because it's the right thing to do because it's commanded by god it's commanded and and you should be ready as a christian living in community to hear someone confess sin against you and to snap forgive them Mm -hmm. be willing to do it and do it whether or not you feel like doing it because this isn't about your feelings right We've had this conversation before where sometimes forgiveness, it requires a great amount of self-control and discipline. And it means that when that person's offense pops into your head, it Mm -hmm. means that you have committed. That is the commitment that you made. Mm -hmm. That that sin is not held against them. Yes. And you might have to recommit yourself emotionally to that over and over. But you must live in light of your word. You must live in light of your word. And if your emotions need some more discipleship, then give it to them. But, you know, teach it to your kids now. Make them practice. This is how we do it in our house. I say, you go to the person that you have wronged. The first thing you say is what you did wrong. The sin that you are guilty of. Say. Right. So and so. I I don't even. I'm not going to pull a real example. I called you a butthead. I called you a butthead. Now, you acknowledge that it was wrong. You say, that was wrong. I should not have said that to you. Then you say, will you please forgive me? And then I teach the offended party that they must say, yes, I will forgive you. And then they must go off reconciled. And And if they bring it up later that night at dinner, 
then it has not. You will remind the child who was originally offended that they are now the offender. (laughs) Yes. You committed to forgiving this person of this sin. And I will ask them, I'm like, I will ask them, I'm like, are we reconciled? Is there something else that needs to be dealt with? Is there something else that needs to be said? Because if you're not reconciled, you're not free to leave this room. We don't leave until we're reconciled. Right. We're dealing with it. And I will ask, are you at peace? Because again, (laughs) you may not leave until you are at peace. We're going to deal with this here. We're going to deal with this now. And you, if you are, you need to practice that for the sake of your future grandchildren. Right. And for the sake of your future son or daughter-in-law. So what do our emotional lives, do you think, look like in terms of the person who has not Mm-hmm. Or will not mm-hmm. repent. The, so I'm guilty and I won't repent. What are my emotions? Or the person who the offended who will not be apologized to. I'm the person that's been wronged, mm-hmm. and I the that party is not going to forgive me yeah. or ask or, for forgiveness yeah. because mm-hmm. they're not sorry. Right. What is my emotional life? Mm-hmm. Well, it's constantly giving it to Jesus. I think the person who. We, we live in a society where we are obsessed with how others have sin, sinned against us. There's almost nothing in, in the world except for how so-and-so has hurt me. I've been hurt by this. I've been hurt by that. And you think about it all day long. Yeah. And I would say, number one, get control of yourself. Mm-hmm. There is more to life than considering yourself. There's there's more to life than that. And I know that sound. I don't mean to sound that like harsh in any way. And... I have been legitimately sinned against and never asked for forgiveness. So I understand. And one of the most freeing things to do is to love anyway. Like bitterness is a choice. Right. You don't have to be bitter. And I understand what it means to be hurt, but your hurt doesn't need to turn into a festering wound. And if you want to keep cutting it open and pouring bad juju inside of it it will turn into a legitimate wound that you you can keep that's wounds from how the world teaches us to deal with our emotional hurt <laughs> yeah to just never give it up no to Cr- always to forgive is, the other person christ is forgive the, the other person outside of their repentance but also eternally be the victim it's never reconciled it's never done stay hurt um as long as you're feeling the th- as long as your feelings are activated all of your unique issues are always mm-hmm. on the table. Trust God. <laughs> Tr- trust God. Yeah. That's that's the answer because there is no sin that is going to go unpunished. Well, and I you can say to God, I've probably said this before here and I have said it before in my personal life. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can say to God, I will not do this. Mm-hmm. So you are going to have to do it for me. Yeah. Not, I will not do this as an act of like defiance. I refuse but, to obey. But I'm not doing it. I know <laughs> what I'm supposed to do. And here I am. The spirit not doing is it. willing. The flesh is weak. Yeah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah. And I have diagnosed this problem, mm-hmm. this sin in myself, which is that mm-hmm. I will not do what you said to mm-hmm. do. But because I'm in you and I have a new heart, mm-hmm. I need, I need help. Assist and I need me, you to please. do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to talk about feelings next week. That's I know we a are. Great. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great. What, can you ask me that again next week? Yeah. <laughs> that's a big one. And I think that is the question people are going to be asking. Because that's what people see. And that's the thing is you. 
the unfortunate thing is now when you sort of demolish a therapeutic way of thinking, people are like, well, now what? how am I going to feel therapeutically well? Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not ever been promised. Mm-hmm. It's never been promised that you would just always psychologically feel whole. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to a counselor. I'm not saying there's anything wrong mm-hmm. with attending to your emotional health, I guess, as mm-hmm. a lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, I actually think there's more hope in it than that. Right. The therapeutic model doesn't give you a lot of hope. And I ha- there's more hope in it in that, which is um, if you've ever read a psalm that started out with like, why have you trampled me? Right. Why are you? And it's ended with praise. And you're like, I don't understand that. Then I'm going to go ahead and say, there's a significant portion of the Christian life you've never experienced. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that next week. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Also, I just want to say real quickly that if you have questions about this topic is so huge. Yeah. Um, The last time we talked about it, we really focused on, okay, when do I let, when do I, when can I just let something go as opposed to require repentance? Mm -hmm. We went over that for at least 20 minutes last year in the last episode. And that was more the tone of the first episode we did a long time yeah. ago on forgiveness and so you know you can go listen to that one or just get honestly just go buy chris braun's book unpacking forgiveness um it goes into all of that and there's a lot of legitimate questions you can have after a like in a topic like this i just want to encourage you to seek out what the bible says about it and to absolutely hate and loathe and reject the therapeutic position that you can't find in scripture that's my encouragement there. All right. Uh, okay. Well, happy Monday. You can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Next week, we'll talk more about what to do with our emotions, and we'll see you then. Make a joyful noise.